Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here on this beautiful day uh, in December. No doubt that when you look outside, it almost looks like it's going to snow, but we're still in the south and you're not going to see any snow. I want to welcome all those at our Grovetown campus. I'd like to welcome all those at our South campus. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. And let me say one thing to those watching online. Try to get here on campus for one of our services during the holiday season. And if you'll do that, I promise you, you'll meet some of the finest people in all of Augusta, Georgia. I can guarantee that. You know, I like to start with something funny. Did you hear about the uh, the 85-year-old woman who was invited to go to a Christmas party by a 92-year-old man. She was talking to her granddaughter about that, and her granddaughter said, Nana, you need to go. You need to go and enjoy yourself. Well, the day after the party, um, she was so troubled and upset, and her granddaughter said, Nana, what's wrong? What's going on? She said, I had to slap him three different times. She said, oh, Nana, was he trying to get fresh with you? She said, no, I thought he was dead. (laughs) That's been our world, uh, uh, taking care of aging parents over the last 10 years or so. Um, My dad died about 18 months ago, and a few months before he died, I went out to see him at the home. And, um, you know, they told us, they said, you know, in the last days that he will starting to hallucinate and see things that are really not there and talk things. And I was talking to him and he said, Marty, he said, there was a woman that came into my room last night. I said, really? He said, yes, yeah, she tried to get into my bed. And I said, get out of here. Get out of here. This ain't your room. And, uh, and she grabbed his shirt as she left. And I thought, oh my goodness, my dad's hallucinating. Uh, and I walked out the door, and as I walked, this is a true story, as I walked out the door, one of the, uh, the workers came and said, Marty, I need to tell you, said, we've really had some problem with our laundry services recently. I said, you have? And said, yeah, because that woman over there has your daddy's shirt on. I thought, Lord, Lord, he was telling the truth. He was telling the truth. Well, today we're continuing our series called The Gift. Have you ever received a gift, and when you opened it, you kind of scratched your head and thought, oh, what in the world am I going to do with this gift? I think we've all had that moment trying to figure out, okay, this is a thoughtful gift, but it's kind of confusing at the same time. I mean, we know that they took, this is thoughtful, but yet it is confusing, Now, through the years, Patty and I have received some very interesting gifts along the way, Uh, gifts that really made you scratch your head. One time, Patty received a gift of a a nude statue. Like, what is she going to do with that, especially with teenage boys in the house? That didn't make it to our shelves, for sure. Um, And if you want to come pick that up, we've got it for you. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Another time... uh, I was here at the church, and a lady came forward, and she gave me a ring, her ring off her finger, and she said, the Lord told me to give you this ring, and that you would know what to do with it. Now, that's been 15 years ago. 
I still have that ring in my desk drawer because I don't know what to do with it. Well, um, another one, in the early days of the church, we received this unexpected and somewhat strange gift from a lady named Rose. In fact, she came to Patty and I and she said, you know, I was praying and the Lord told me to give you this and it was a it was a box, and we opened it up, and it was an electric frying pan. Now, we're just getting started in marriage and ministry, and we needed uh, a lot of things, and what we felt like we didn't need was an electric frying pan. And so we took it on, we put it in the cabinet, and just went on with our lives. We didn't think too much about it until about th- <clears throat> uh, sometime later, our stove broke. But not only was our stove broke, but we were broke, and we could not afford to get that uh, fixed. And for three months, we used that electric frying pan uh, to do every kind of cooking that we had at our house. As we went through that season, it was like the Lord was saying to us, let this frying pan be a reminder that I will satisfy and meet your needs even before you realize that you have a need. You know, we still have that frying pan over 30 years. And we keep it because it's a reminder to us that God has been faithful along the way. And God has met our needs even before we realize that we have a need. And I want to say that to you. As you've come into this service today, as you're dealing with the problems and the stresses of your life, I want you to know that God hears and God answers prayers. And the prayer and the answer to that prayer is already on the way. Because he has provided for you the needs, even before you realize that you have it. What we know from those gifts is this, that every gift tells a story. Every gift tells a story. In this series, we're looking at the three gifts that the wise men gave Jesus when he was born. And each gift had significance. Each gift had a very practical purpose, but it also had a a prophetic message tied to it. This series is based on the second chapter of the book of Matthew in the New Testament section of the Bible. Today, I want to focus on verses 10 and 11. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, and when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Now, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, last week, we talked about bowing down. We talked about how that symbolizes surrender, that when we bow down, we are surrendering. And we're talking about, we talked about surrendering our lives and saying, let nobody but Jesus run our lives. But notice that phrase, they bowed down and then they worshiped. They bowed down and then they worshiped. Oftentimes when we hear the word worship, we think of something that we typically do on a Sunday. 
Maybe we think about singing songs. Maybe we think about offering prayers. Maybe we think about uh, communion or maybe serving some way in the church. You know, worship includes all of those things, but worship is really a lot more than just those things. At the very center of it all, worship is our response. It's your response and my response to God's love. Did you know that God loves you? In fact, God created you to love you. God created you to love you, and he just wants you to love him back. Worship is knowing and loving God back. Here's the point. Genuine worship is expressing your love to God and living your life to please him. Genuine worship is expressing your love to God and living your life to please him. One day Jesus was walking down the road and someone asked him, Jesus, what's the most important command that we should follow? He responded that to that question and said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and it is the greatest command, commandment. So what he's saying is your first priority, your number one priority is to love the Lord. It's to love the Lord. It's to worship him. It is to center your life on God. Here's the truth. that You're going to center your life around something. Maybe you're going to center your life around your career. Maybe you're going to center it around your family. Maybe you're going to center it around making money or being famous, or you centered around some type of hobby, you centered your life around some type of sporting event. But anything besides God at the center of your life is an idol. And the Bible says you shall have no idols before me. Simply put, we need to put God first. We need to put God first God did not place us on this earth to live self-centered lives. He wants you to build your life with him at the very core. The wise men came and they bowed down and they worshiped. One of the best descriptions of worship in the Bible comes from Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He said, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer. I urge you to offer, to to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Notice this. It says, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is your spiritual act of worship. Notice what we do here. We offer God, I give you my life. I give you my my life and my talents and my abilities and my gifts. I give it all to you. You see, worship is giving back to God. He gives to us, and then we in turn give back to him. And whatever you give back to God, the very act of giving that is worship. How did the wise men worship? 
Look at this very carefully. Verse 11 said, they opened their treasures and they presented him. They opened their treasures and they presented him with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So this is the first Christmas. So what we see here is the tradition of gift giving goes all the way back to the beginning. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And then we see the wise men come on the scene and they give. So worship is not just taking in. Worship is also giving back. It's taking action. Worship is giving. And some people never understand that and they never participate in that. And therefore, they, they lose a blessing in, in not taking part of that. I think when you take that step and you give back, you start to understand in a simple way the real meaning of Christmas. The heart of Christmas. I often say this, you're... When I start the messages off, if you come to Stevens Creek, you'll meet some of the finest people in all of Augusta, Georgia. You know what I can add to that line? I can say it this way. If you come to Stevens Creek, you'll meet some of the most generous people in all of Augusta, Georgia. Your generosity is overwhelming. You are truly a generous church. And you are a generous people. I was almost speechless when I, I see uh, when I saw how you responded to the giving tree. Man, you went overboard on that. I mean, it was so overboard, it almost made me feel uncomfortable because you were so generous with that. To know that you sponsored around a thousand under resourced. In my mind, I'm just thinking everybody bring a present. Some of you brought all of Santa Claus. I mean, I thought maybe you were the elf on the shelf because it was amazing the generous, um, the way you handle that. And, and I'm just so appreciative. You inspire me. In a couple of weeks, when we gather for our Christmas services, we're going to receive a special offering. We call it our Christmas offering. We've been doing this for for over 30 years. And typically when we introduce our Christmas offering, we say these words, we just want you to uh, do whatever the Lord tells you to do. That's it. There's no amount that we're asking anybody to give. I want you to give this certain amount. That's not, no, just do whatever the Lord tells you to give. Just respond to his promptings. Now we've done this for over 30 years. And this offering started with this desire to help widows and orphans. Now, in the early days, we sponsored kids at the Church of God Home for Children in South Carolina. And so that's how, and we we called it the angel tree, and we would take those orphans and we would buy gifts for that. And then it grew to the point, once we started the Dream Center here, we moved everything locally. And I'm telling you, it has expanded beyond uh, our, our imagination but those, that's how we got here, that we were looking at how do we handle uh, under-resourced children, how do we take care of, orphan, of, of, um, of orphans and people who are in need. Now, 
What about the orphan, uh, the widow part? Now, that's an interesting thing that we probably seldom talk about. For nearly 30 years, a portion of your Christmas offering has been given to widows of Church of God ministers in the state of South Carolina. What we do is we call the conference office and we ask them to give us a list of widows. And we've done this very quietly 20, 30 years. You would not believe some of the responses that we have received from from these widows. It's really heartbreaking. Because these people, they didn't pastor churches like Stevens Creek. Most of these folks pastored small mill village churches where they literally had to do pancake suppers and sell hot dogs just to try to keep the church doors open because they were so under-resourced because they were in a place of poverty. And they worked so hard and they, they gave their lives to the ministry to the point where many of them, when, when they retired, they didn't have the resources to retire. So the conference owns this uh, large piece of land in the upstate and they can come and, and put a trailer on that land and they can live out their retirement in that trailer. And I think about those ministers, how many of those are the ones that poured into me when I was a kid, that gave me an opportunity. There was one widow on our list for the last 20 years or so. Her name was Verbally Harrison. Verbally's husband, George, gave me my first opportunity to preach when I was 17 years old. Last year, we sent a check like we've done for 20 years to to verbally as a widow. But that check and a note came back and said, verbally passed away in July and we want to return the money to the church. We told them to keep, keep the money. But they went on to say how much that spoke to her and how much she appreciated Stevens Creek Church for all of your generosity through the years. She passed away at 95 years old and she was a saint. And so I think about that, and it's those widows that, uh, that are touched. We look at that, and, and we think about that. And you, some of you say, well, why would you do that? Well, it's actually in the Bible. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, it talks about having a list of widows. So we just didn't make this up because it was a good idea. We're just trying to follow Scripture to take care of widows and orphans. And that's one part we don't talk a lot about but we're trying to fulfill the, the commandment of Scripture as we do that. This year, we're expanding our Christmas offering that maybe you've heard in the comment section of today's service to include King of Kings Church in downtown Jerusalem. This congregation is proclaiming that Jesus is the King of Kings. And they're proclaiming that to a, a community of Jews and a community of Muslims. And with the war breaking out, They've seen the rise in the need of just humanitarian need. So they're providing clothes and they're providing food and they're uh, providing uh, supplies for people who have been victimized at the, during the war and also people who have, have families that are serving in military and their income has been affected. This is not just some random church. Patty and I have been to King of Kings Church. We know some of their staff members. They've actually 
Uh, some of their staff members have been here at the Stevens Creek a few years ago. They actually sent two of their worship uh, leaders to come to church here. And so we've had this relationship. So it's only a, uh, a part of our, our service to Christ and his church that we would reach out. You know, the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But this year, we're going to not only pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but we're going to put our arms around um, a spirit-filled congregation that is serving those people. I think about that, that, that we're supporting a church that is within walking distance to where Jesus was crucified on the cross. We're serving a church that is within walking distance of the upper room where the power of the Holy Spirit fell and gave birth to the church. And we have benefited by, by God's Spirit being placed in us. And so it's just an honor to do that. I could go on and on. This year we're continuing to, uh, to focus on uh, reducing the debt and paying off mortgages at all of our campuses. And so if you're in our Grovetown campus, you're on our South campus, and, and you give to this initiative, I'm telling you, it's going to go to right to your campus, and it's going to make your campus strong. The same here at the Augusta campus. We want to prepare this ministry to be strong for the next generation. And so just ask what the Lord would have you to give this Christmas Eve as you bring your gift to worship. When you look at the gifts that the wise men gave, you realize that every gift tells a story. They gave him gold, and we talked about that last week, that gold represents royalty. It was a gift fit for a king. And we recognize that Jesus is the king. He is the king of kings and Lord of lords. Then they gave him frankincense. Now, frankincense was a very expensive oil, but it was also a very practical oil that helps heal sicknesses and treat wounds. Some people would say it's kind of like the Swiss army knife of essential oils that had multiple uses, whether it's an antiseptic or astringent, a diuretic, or maybe even a sedative. Now, some of you know a lot about essential oils. Some of you are distributors. Any distributors of essential oils here? You raise up your, oh, you don't have to raise up your hands. We can smell you. <laughs> Got a little peppermint over here. Got a little lavender over here. Got a little lemongrass over here. Yeah, we know. And you smell good. When we think about that, we think about frankincense, and that is an essential oil, a very expensive essential oil. It had many uses. But as the wise men gave this oil to the Christ child, it was pointing some practical uses, but it was also a prophetic use. Because you understand that in the Old Testament, the, the high priest would use frankincense in the worship services. The high priest used frankincense oil to offer sacrifices and to offer prayers. The high priest used it to offer sacrifices and to offer prayers. Once a year on the Day of Atonement, or, or what was called Yom Kippur, the high priest would sacrifice an innocent animal, and the priesthood would light uh, incense or light frankincense. And the smoke of this would rise up toward the heaven, representing the, the cries of the people who were asking God for mercy over their sins. 
Then the priest would sprinkle the blood of an innocent animal on what was called the mercy seat. And this symbolized the sacrifice of this uh, innocent animal was made as a substitute for the people's sins. Um, It was in place of their guilty sins. So when the wise men gave Jesus the frankincense, they were declaring that Jesus will be our high priest. That Jesus will be our high priest and he himself will be like the lamb and he will sacrifice himself for our sins. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus came to sacrifice uh, himself for our sins so that we can be saved. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. And by that will, we have been made holy. We've been made holy. Why? How? Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We have been made holy because of Jesus' sacrifice. That gift of frankincense was pointing toward the time that Jesus would sacrifice himself so that we would receive the gift of the forgiveness of sins. Here's the point. Jesus saves. Jesus saves and he wants you to accept the gift of the forgiveness of your sins. It is a gift to you. You can be uh, set free. Your past can be absolved. You can be free from the penalty of your sins. That's the message of Christmas. Jesus saves. In Hebrews chapter 7 and 25, notice these words. Therefore, he is able to save completely. I love that. You are completely saved. Not by works of righteousness that you can do. You are saved completely by the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus is enough. He is enough to get you into heaven. He is enough to give you life and so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. He will save you completely. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who have come to God through him because he always lives, notice this, to intercede for them. Frankincense represents the sacrifice, but it also represents intercessory prayers that are offered. When Jesus died on the cross, he became our mediator. He became the one who would stand in the gap for us. In other words, we are reconciled back to God. It is like Jesus has his hand in the Father's hand and his reaches his other hand to us. He ties us back. He reconciles us back to God. And so when we talk to Jesus, he intercedes and, and <clears throat> shares our prayers with the Heavenly Father. He is our intercessor. That's why it says he ever lives to intercede for us. He is our mediator. That's what 1 Timothy chapter 2 says. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. If you want to get to the heavenly Father, you go through Christ Jesus. There's only one way. Jesus is the one who died on the cross. He is our mediator. He is the one that 
intercedes for us. That's why we pray in the name of Jesus. So often, people think that those words or that phrase, in the name of Jesus, is just a good way to end a prayer. God bless this food and bless the hands who prepared it. And God give us a good day and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And we just use that so often, very quickly. It's just a good way to let people know the prayer is now ended and conversation can start. But when we pray in the name of Jesus, we see him as our intercessor. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says, Christ Jesus who died, but more than that, who is raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. He's standing in the gap for you. He's pleading your case before the heavenly father. He's there to help you. Here's the point. Jesus intercedes and he will help you when you pray. Jesus intercedes and he's going to help you when you pray. The wise men gave Jesus the gift of frankincense because he would become our intercessor. In the Old Testament, frankincense was burned on the altar of incense every morning and every evening. In Scripture, frankincense was often associated with prayer. It was like this sweet-smelling aroma that was offered that would go up into uh, go up to heaven. And so, what it is communicating to us is our prayers that when we pray, it's like a sweet aroma to the Lord. He's welcoming your prayers. It's a sweet aroma. That in fact, we see as we look forward, we read the book of Revelation, we get a glimpse of what is happening today in heaven. Have you ever read Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8? It says, and when, when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down, fell down before the Lord, before the Lamb. And each one had a harp, and they were holding, notice this, golden bowls of incense which are the prayers of God's people. When you offer prayers in Jesus' name, they're given to the Heavenly Father because He is interceding for you. Your prayers are a sweet aroma. So what do you need from the Lord today? Just very practically, if you were to pray prayers in, in this auditorium, in our Grovetown campus, our South campus, watch... For those watching in your living room, those watching on demand, what do you need from God today? What is that thing that, that has um, burdened your heart? What is that thing that you just long to see changed in your life and your family? Those of you that are longing to feel better in your bodies, you're struggling because sickness or disease, what is that thing what is that problem? I want to encourage you to ask the Lord. I want to encourage you to call on his name. There are three reasons why I really feel like you need to pray today, that today is that day. First of all, prayer shows that you're depending on God. Too many times when I get in a situation where I am faced with a problem my gut reaction, my first reaction is this. Okay, what can I do to fix this problem? I want to take responsibility. 
And, and granted, I want to do my part. I want to do the possible, but I, I need to say, okay, God, what are you going to do and how can I help you accomplish what you want? How can I do your will on earth as it is in heaven? So it just shows you I'm dependent on you, God. What do you want to do about this? What do you need to do about this? And so start thinking, God, I am depending on you. I need this help. I need a power greater than myself. This problem is too big. This situation is too difficult. God, come and move in my life. I'm depending on you. Here's the second thing. That when you pray, it starts to lighten your loads. uh, Because you've come in here and you're weighted down or or you're worried or you're concerned or you're fearful. And that fear has a way of weighing on you or weighting you down. When you pray, you're offloading that. You're taking that and saying, God, I'm giving this to you. And it starts to lighten your load. Isaiah said it this way. He said, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they will mount up like wings like of eagles and they shall run and not be weary. Some of you have come into uh, this church today and you are weary. You're worn out. Give it over to the Lord. Lighten your load. Let him renew your strength. The Bible says you'll walk and you'll not faint because God's power will come and give you energy. And God will help you make it through today and you'll make it through tomorrow and you'll make it through the week. And before you realize it, you will walk out of this valley that you're you're in and you'll walk in the, uh, the newness of life and joy and peace because God is at work in your life. That leads us to the third reason why you need to pray. Because it releases God's power in you. It releases God's energy in you. Nothing releases God's power more than that prayer of faith. Jeremiah says, call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. Prayer is going to uh, tap you into the resources of God. And so that's what we want to do today. We want to move from the classroom into a lab session. Okay? We're going to move from the classroom into the lab session. And we're going to pray for you today. And when you come forward for prayer today, whether at our Grovetown campus, our South campus, or right here, We're going to ask you a couple of things. We're going to say, God, we're going to say, what do you want from God today? What do you need from the Lord today? And just tell him, say, I need help. You may say, I need to be saved. You may say, well, I need healing in my body. You may say, I'm dealing with an addiction. I'm dealing with a compulsion. Uh, I'm dealing with a, a mental illness. It's like everything is dark. And so whatever that need is, maybe you're coming here and you said, look, I, my family needs help. And you're going um, to stand in the gap. You're going to stand in proxy for somebody else. And what we're going to do, we're going to take some frankincense oil. And we're going to do what the Bible says. 
In the book of James, it says, if there's any sick among you, let them call on the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. And that's what we're going to do. And the prayer of faith will make that sick person well. And so we're going to anoint you with oil, those that you uh, want special prayer, and we believe that God's going to hear and God's going to answer your prayer. God's going to hear and God's going to answer. And so we're moving from the classroom to a lab session. And we're saying, God, come and move in Stevens Creek Church. Let's stand together for prayer in a Grovetown campus, South Campus, and just stand and, and let's open up our hearts for what God has for us. At the conclusion of this prayer, uh, campus pastors that are south in Grovetown will take care of this. I'll, we'll have a team of people here. And we're going to believe that God's going to touch people, touch you, right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would move upon Stevens Creek Church, that you would touch people in this room. And Father, there are people listening to me that have never made a decision to follow Jesus, and we understand that this frankincense oil represented the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Jesus died for you, and if you'd like to be saved, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Say that. Say, Jesus, save me. Come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. Pray this prayer. Make me into the kind of person that you want me to be. I give you my life. I give you my past, and I trust you with my future. Fill me with your spirit. I receive that in Jesus' name. Now, Father, Lord, save people today, but we're also asking that you would heal people. Heal people today. Make them feel better, Lord. God, break addictions. God, break the clouds of darkness. Set people free today. And God, bring healing from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Today, God, we receive this. Say that. Say, God, I receive Say that, God, I receive what you have for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.